Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. I'm Angela Evansy, and I'm here with my colleague, Pete Hirschfeld. Hey, Pete. Hi, Angela. And you went somewhere interesting recently? Yeah, I went to the Joseph Smith Birthplace Memorial in South Royalton. Joseph Smith, as in the founder of the Mormon religion. He was born right here in Vermont. And the moment you step out of your car, something hits you. It's barely loud enough to register at first, but then it's all you can hear. These angelic voices. You realize there's a network of speakers hidden in the trees, and these beautiful voices are just wafting through the air as you walk around. Right by the actual spot where Joseph Smith was born, there's a giant granite obelisk. People come here by the thousands every year to pray or meditate or just check out the scene. You Jillian? How you doing? Good. I came here with this month's question asker. Her name is Jillian Connor, and we decided to look around for someone to talk to. Come in, come in. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Uh, My name is Peter Hirschfeld. I'm a reporter with Vermont Public Radio. This is Jillian. Jillian Connor? Yes. Um, Nice to meet you. I'm Elder Hobbs. It's great to meet you, Elder. So an elder is an order in the Mormon priesthood, and Elder Hobbs is incredibly hospitable. He walks us through this little museum and tells us about the life of Joseph Smith. There's a little proselytizing, obviously. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a Book of Mormon? Uh, you know... Have you read one? Uh, I, I can say I have not read Would you like a copy? I'd love a copy. Yeah, like sure. We can't help but ask about the music, and it turns out it is not from Elder Hobbs' playlist. This is music that just to set the mood, so to speak. Some of it's Tabernacle Choir, Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Other soundtracks, it's all controlled from Salt Lake. We don't have anything to do with it. They just turned it on at about 8.30 in the morning, placed till about 11 o'clock at night. So as you can gather, they're really trying to curate an experience here at the memorial. And this place had a profound impact on a guy named David Hall. It wasn't that far of a drive for us from Schenectady uh, growing up. David Hall lives in Utah now, but he grew up in upstate New York and came here as a kid with his Mormon family. And he kind of imprinted on the place. They had some campgrounds, so we would camp there. And then I've, I've just followed Vermont carefully, you know, through my life. And David Hall, he's the reason Pete and Jillian went to the Joseph Smith Memorial. Hall is a wealthy businessman, and a few years ago, he came to town with some big plans for the land around the memorial. Hall wanted to build a kind of eco-utopia where people would live in energy-efficient structures and grow all their own food on community farms. He was going to call it New Vistas. A few years ago, Hall began buying up parcels in these four small towns— Tunbridge, Royalton, Sharon, and Stratford. And the thing that really got people's attention was that Hall wanted 20,000 people to live there. 20,000 people on 5,000 acres in these four towns. And that brings us to this month's question from Jillian, who happens to live in Tunbridge. What is the deal with the New Vistas Foundation and its plan for central Vermont? 
And that's what this episode was going to be about. How is a developer from Utah going to remake central Vermont into an ecologically sustainable utopia? That's what we thought it was going to be about. And then just when we finished writing the script, David Hall dropped a little bit of a bombshell on us. I'm tired of the drama (laughs) and move on. Hall has decided to sell all the land he's bought up. The local opposition over the past two years has been a little fiercer than he anticipated. You know, those who are opposing my dream uh, did a really good job. So I tip my hat to him. So that's it. David Hall is done with Vermont. But the story of New Vistas isn't over yet. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. This show is powered by you and your curiosity. Every month, we take on a question about Vermont that's been submitted and voted on by our audience. This month's question led us straight into an unfolding story. It's pretty crazy to see this many people here. It's awesome. It's a story about an outsider with deep pockets and big ideas. I see it coming. I see the huge need is coming. And the towns that band together to reject those ideas. Just the overall concept of 20,000 people in this area is just mind-boggling to most of us. If it was unchecked, if we weren't doing what we're doing, then who knows what would happen. And now that their efforts have paid off. You know, the persistence of those who want to preserve Vermont as it is, right? They certainly are good at it. How does this story end? Yeah, I have no idea. I wish I had a crystal ball. We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. It turned out that Jillian Connor had an agenda when she asked her question. Well, I have to be honest. I partially know the answer to my question. The reason I asked it was to sort of bring awareness to the issue. Jillian and her partner moved to Tunbridge last July. They bought 80 acres with plans to farm. Tunbridge is one of those four towns where David Hall had also been buying land. Jillian figured this out when she saw signs around that said, no new vistas. And we thought it was pertaining to anti-flatlander moving in type of movement, um, you know, opposed to people putting up new houses and destroying our beautiful vistas that we have in Vermont. And when I went home and Googled it, I realized what it was actually about. Are you ready for the motion? This is a democracy, and this is about letting people know what we want in our communities. You think of David and Goliath, you know, that we're the small little guy, and when are we going to be taken down? <laughs> 
The opposition to Hall's plan had been swift and intense. By the time Jillian moved to Tunbridge, residents of the four towns had rallied. They'd held non-binding town meeting votes. Many had vowed not to sell their land to David Hall. And they'd formed an opposition group called the Alliance for Vermont Communities, all to send the message, no new vistas. When Jillian read up on everything, she decided she too wanted no new vistas. She actually told us she was loosely connected to the Alliance for Vermont Communities. We'll hear more about this opposition later. But to be clear, Jillian was not speaking for the Alliance when she talked about her own views on Hall's proposal. I think the the land use is definitely a huge part of my concern and also the political sway. I think freedom of religion is a great right that we all have, um, though at the same time, conservative Christianity definitely tends to preach views that I disagree with. Jillian was worried about the Mormon connection. Even though David Hall had said that the new Vistas communities wouldn't have any religious affiliation. And it's not a quality I'm proud of because I have all of these other, you know, I like to think I have progressive views, quote unquote progressive views on on how we should treat people who are different from us or not from the same place that we are. I've also traveled many places and I've been the stranger in many places. So, yeah, it's really those two sides of myself have really been fighting over how to handle like newcomers and, and but to this scale, which is an enormous, huge scale. I just want to give props to Jillian, because it is not easy to admit that you have views that you yourself disapprove of. But that's what's so fascinating about New Vistas. Whether it was the developer, or the nature of his plan, or the sheer scale of change this would have brought to central Vermont, if it actually happened, this topic really got people going. And it gave us a lot to cover. If you live in central Vermont or follow the news from this part of the state, New Vistas has probably been on your radar for a while. But in case you're not familiar, here's a bit more background. So what is New Vista? Uh, This is not, not a small idea. This is a big idea. This is John Echevarria. Back in 2016, he gave a presentation about Hall and the New Vistas Foundation at a meeting of the Stratford Conservation Commission. John's 44-minute presentation is on YouTube. And as far as Hall's development plan went, it answered the question, what's the deal with New Vistas, pretty well. We've edited some of this tape for length. The goal of this venture is to achieve global environmental balance, global ecological balance. John covered who David Hall is. David Hall, uh, an engineer uh, from Utah, uh, who is the primary mover behind this project. Hall built his career on something that his dad helped invent, the synthetic diamond. It's used for all sorts of things now, including drilling for oil and gas. Hall ran a business that focused on this use. Developing drilling technology and selling drilling technology. And a few years ago, he sold it to a company called Schlumberger. Which is the largest uh, oil services firm in the world for an undisclosed sum. Um, According to Hall, at least 100 million of, of the proceeds have been dumped into the New Vista Foundation, which is bankrolling this effort. So, a man whose fortune comes from fossil fuel extraction is devoting himself to a kind of environmental crusade. Quick side note here, Hall's dad kind of did the same thing. According to his obituary in the Washington Post, after he retired, 
he became a tree farmer. Now for the what. What was David Hall actually planning for Vermont? The cornerstone of the building project is the community. If you go to the next slide, please. John pulled up a slide of a city layout shaped like a diamond. This is the community Hall envisioned for central Vermont, where up to 20,000 people would live. Um, that would be a density of development that's about 300 times the density of Stratford. In the middle of the community would be homes and businesses. And then there are these um, four triangles around the edge, which are for intensive agriculture uh, and industrial and animal husbandry and even a drilling block. Small living spaces and local energy, industry, and agriculture, though not the kind of agriculture Vermont is known for. The suggestion is that a cow would never see the light of day in one of these communities. Maybe a rabbit, maybe a chicken, lots of grain, no high-protein meats. The design is super specific, with different-sized units all building up to a larger whole. Theoretically, you'd build one, and then another, and then another. The idea is this is a model for human existence that should be embraced worldwide, in which billions of people would live. And if we did this, um, then the world would be saved, and it all can begin here in the hills of, of Tunbridge and Stratford. Okay? The guy's not kidding around. I mean, you've got to give him credit. You know, he's not thinking small. John Echeverria, the guy who gave this presentation, is an attorney and a professor at Vermont Law School. He's also on the board of the Alliance for Vermont Communities, that group we mentioned that led the resistance to New Vistas. But you can't tell by the way he's presenting here that he's opposed to Hall's plan. I, I think it's fair to say that Mr. Hall, from all appearances, uh, has a really uh, genuine uh, concern about the plight of the planet uh, and is trying to uh, move forward an agenda which, whatever its problems, is, is well-intentioned. Um, uh, I think he also deserves credit for approaching this uh, uh, venture in a totally guileless way. He's been quite willing to communicate with people, even in the face of from some fairly blistering criticism. Can you hear me, David? Yes, can I can. Fantastic. Great. So I'm going to... Um... David Hall was quite willing to communicate with Brave Little State. He went into a studio in Utah to talk to Pete and me, again, before he changed his mind about Vermont. To really wrap your head around what Hall was trying to do with New Vistas, you have to understand the genesis of the project. It came from these documents from the 1830s. The documents have a front and a back. And if you take all of the um, phrases and triangulate them with each other, you can reduce to practice uh, details like the exact uh, chair size, which happens to be 24 inches square. The documents are called the Platte of Zion. They were created by Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, whose birthplace had such an influence on David Hall. These documents had an influence on Hall, too. In fact, they're kind of an obsession for him. The more I studied them as an engineer, the more I realized there <clears throat> was a lot more in the documents than the face value. Hall says there are hidden directions in there that need to be deciphered like a codex. For example, walls on buildings are supposed to be three quarters of an inch thick, and that there are supposed to be special toilets to analyze what comes out of you when you go to the bathroom. Hall's engineering company is currently working on a prototype. The point here is that Hall wants his New Vistas community to be an absolute replica of the Platte of Zion because he thinks it's the key to humanity's future. It's really a 
world treasure from my point of view for us to figure out how to use it to create truly green communities for the future. And that brings us to a complicated paradox that underpins the whole New Vista story. And that paradox is that David Hall's vision in some ways has nothing to do with Mormonism, and in other ways, it has everything to do with Mormonism. The part of New Vistas that does have to do with religion, obviously, is its connection with the plat of Zion. The prophet is going to dictate what the city is going to look like, how big the lots are going to be, how many streets are going to be, how, how large should the city be. This is Benjamin Park. He's an assistant professor of American religious history at Sam Houston State University. Park says Smith came up with the plat when he was trying to start a Mormon community from scratch in Missouri. Uh, all the Latter-day Saints are going to gather. It's going to be a refuge from uh, a world around them that's falling apart. And the thing is, even Joseph Smith doesn't get true credit for the plat of Zion. According to Mormon theology, Smith was a prophet with a direct line to the voice of God. And it's God who transmitted this whole plot of Zion concept to him, sort of like a divine urban planning blueprint. Yeah, this is one of the most fascinating things. It is very specific. It is saying how large the plots are supposed to be. It's saying how uh, wide individual plots, how deep. And Smith's design for the plot of Zion isn't confined to building specifications. It calls for a new kind of governance structure as well. Benjamin Park says there are no civic buildings in Smith's plat, nothing at all, actually, that's set aside for democratic institutions. Which doesn't make sense until you realize that in Joseph Smith's view, the church and the state were merged. The same people who are going to be leading the, the religious sphere are also going to be leading the civic sphere. So David Hall has modeled new vistas after a city of God. But here's where the Mormon connection begins to dissolve. David Hall says his concept has nothing to do with Mormonism at all. And he says this whole enterprise is about a global model for coexisting with the earth. And that that means it needs to welcome people of any faith or even no faith at all. Otherwise, how does a Muslim come in or how does, you know, an agnostic come in and stuff like that? That humans are meant to live as Joseph Smith envisioned is a matter of providence and faith for David Hall. And it definitely takes a lot of faith to believe in the New Vista's concept. I tried over and over again to get Hall to explain to me how this was all going to happen, the specific actions that would eventually culminate in this 20,000-person community in rural Vermont. I just couldn't make heads or tails of how he intended to get there. And here's where we finally ended up. Okay, here's, here's an analogy that may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to me, all right? We have 24 chromosomes, you know, in our system that makes up our biology, all right? Just like chromosomes are the building blocks of human beings, David Hall says the plat of Zion provides the building blocks for human civilization. Here are the key elements, the chromosomes, you know, that are going to come together to create that community that we need for sustainability and scalability. And that brings us to yet another paradox to untangle. Mormonism may be the religion that gave birth to the whole Plat of Zion concept, but Benjamin Park says even Mormons don't think the Plat of Zion should be taken literally. The church has publicly disavowed any connection with David Hall and his New Vista's plans. Jillian and I actually broached the subject with Elder Hobbs when we were at the Joseph Smith Memorial. Um, have you heard anything about this New Vista's foundation? I have heard about it. It has absolutely nothing to do with the church. He's yeah. a member of the church, but it has nothing to do with, as far as the church backing him or having anything to do with it. It was entirely 
his own agency, his own choice. He's just a guy with a lot of money who wants to do some sort of development. And Professor Benjamin Park says most members of the church today don't even know the Plat of Zion exists. We should note here that Park once worked for Hall's New Vistas Foundation as a historical consultant. His tenure there was short. But here's Park's take on the situation. When you talk about the New Vistas and Dave Hall, I, I think it, it's fascinating to look at him as an example of this persistence of Zion thinking in Mormon thought, while also what makes him so odd and, and unique is he also represents what Mormonism has left behind. So it's clear that David Hall is on his own wavelength. And when it came to his plans for Vermont, he figured Strafford, Sharon, Royalton, and Tunbridge could be just the beginning. Vermont could have 20 million people in 20 communities with two-thirds of Vermont being wilderness, which is much more wilderness than it currently has. But at the same time, he was in no rush. Like Pete said, he had this faith that it would just happen. I would think that's out, out there at least, like I've said many times, at least 75 to 100 years because the Vermont laws are very strict when it comes to development. Hall told us all this before he decided to pull out of Vermont, of course. The strict law he referred to is Act 250, which is Vermont's land use and development law. It's quite rigorous. But the people who live in these four towns weren't going to rely on it or leave anything to future generations. They took matters into their own hands, and they were the reason Hall changed his mind. Okay, um, if everyone just could come in as close as you can, close as you can. Over in early the, June, the Alliance for Vermont Communities held a big fundraiser, a semi-competitive bike ride through Tunbridge uh, and Stratford. The ride started at the Tunbridge World's Fairgrounds. Alex Buskey, the outreach manager for the Alliance, explained the origin of the ride's name, the ranger. Yeah, a ranger is somebody that protects a specific plot of land. I want everyone here to leave as a ranger, not just for this place, but for everywhere you go ride, thinking about what it means to you, what it means to the people that live there. Some people were just here to ride their bikes, but I talked to enough people who were clued into the cause to get a sense of what motivated this opposition. I'm from Vermont Public Radio. Can I ride with you for a second? Sure. I caught up with Malachi Brennan at around mile 20 of the ride on Monarch Hill Road. He's a little out of breath because we're pumping up a steep hill. You have a guy with a vision, and he has good ideas behind his vision, but um, people with you know, good ideas that believe really strongly in them can be really dangerous. And I think he needs to listen to the people who have lived here and lived here for a very long time. Malachi is a student at Vermont Law School, and he said he'd done some volunteering for the Alliance. I'm just very wary of the guy, and, and I wish he would appreciate the democratic spirit here and listen to the townspeople have to say. Suspicion of David Hall and a desire for local control. Peter Anderson of the Sharon Planning Commission was volunteering at the event. Here's what he said. He's clearly uh, predicated his wealth on mineral extraction, and that would be um, something that presumably they would be interested in doing. You might remember from John Echevarria's presentation that the design of a new Vistas community has a section set aside for drilling. 
Peter was concerned that that was a primary objective for David Hall. I don't know really what's under there, and I'm, I don't know whether he does, uh, but that's what his, uh, his business has been. The most rattled person I met was probably Jane Huppy of Tunbridge. Jane is a seventh-generation Vermonter. We left the bike ride so she could drive me up to her house on Button Hill Road, where David Hall has purchased several parcels. People are not in favor of this, and they are in favor of saving our, our rural communities as they are today and, and can be in the future with similar values and similar um, aspects of rural living. We sat on Jane's front deck, which has spectacular Western views. And she talked about how unsettled she's been by the changes on her road. We're not opposed to people, new people coming here. We, we welcome new people, um, but we don't know who they are. Not knowing who's in the houses in our neighborhood because he's renting, which is fine. He has that right. Um, but it doesn't lend to a co- cohesive neighborhood. A really disheartening thing that happened last week, I was saying... Jane told me about a sign that one of her new neighbors, who are renting from Hall, had put up at the head of their driveway. She had a photo of it on her phone. It's one of those faux official warning signs that you can buy. It says, due to an increase in the price of ammo, there will be no warning shot. You could read it as a joke, but Jane didn't. So that's um, not a very nice neighborly sign to have out. It um, doesn't give a a nice, warm feeling towards neighbors. And and again, we don't know who lives there, so we don't know what their intent is or we don't know what their character is or anything about it. Um, Have you gone up to try to introduce yourselves? um, We have not. Um, We don't know when they're here. They're here off and on. Um, They're not here in the winter at all. Um, So we haven't, but we should, because that's how we want to be as neighbors. We asked David Hall about the people he's been renting to. Did he have a personal connection to any of them? He wrote back in an email, quote, all to locals. Back at the Tunbridge World's Fairgrounds, riders were returning to a big party, and the neighbors who did know one another were enjoying craft beer and cow pie bingo. Full disclosure, one of the groups at the event was NOFA Vermont, which is a sponsor of Brave Little State. Out in the parking lot, I talked to Michael Saka. He's the president of the Alliance for Vermont Communities. And he told me he too was suspicious of Hall's plans. We're in it for the long haul. Um, and frankly, we don't necessarily trust that it's, it's that far off. Saka made clear that the Alliance is not ideologically opposed to growth. Uh, Alliance for Vermont Communities is not, we're not against development. We are for appropriate sized development. Nowhere in our town plans, the regional plan, or state guidelines does it say anything about, about building outside of the village settlements in this way. Saka said that Hall buying so much land has injected some uncertainty into the real estate market. We know of people who decided not to move here, for instance, and they decided, oh, you know, I think we're going to look somewhere else because it just seemed like, uh, why would we step into this morass? The alliance managed to work on two fronts, saying no to David Hall while simultaneously building relationships across the four towns that hadn't been there before. Here's organizer Alex Buskey again. 
if there was one good thing that came of New Vistas being here, it was the uh, cohesion among the, the four towns and the people that live here, um, all having one common goal that, that's really strong. So it, it brings out the most passionate people. And those passionate people got results. In March of this year, John Echevarria, the guy whose presentation we heard earlier, testified in front of the Vermont House Committee on Natural Resources, Fish, and Wildlife. He said Hall had broken Vermont and Utah nonprofit laws when he transferred his land from his nonprofit, New Vistas Foundation, to a for profit LLC. In April, the Vermont House passed a resolution opposing New Vistas, saying the development would, quote, undermine the historic character of these towns and degrade the area's natural resources. In early June, the alliance announced that, with help from the Vermont Land Trust, it had purchased a 218-acre parcel just east of the Joseph Smith birthplace. And then, just a few weeks later, the pièce de résistance. The National Trust for Historic Preservation put Royalton, Sharon, Strafford, and Tunbridge on watch status in its 2018 list of America's most endangered historic places. The alliance had campaigned for the designation. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, a really good move on the part of those that opposed my uh, land purchases there. The day the list came out, David Hall decided to pull the plug on his plans for Vermont. We talked to him the next morning. That's kind of like a last straw for me about, gee whiz, I don't want to be on a national watch, so... I'm tired of the drama (laughs) and move on. David Hall isn't the first person to watch his dreams for a Platt of Zion community get crushed. Joseph Smith himself actually tried to establish his own utopian community back in the 1830s on a piece of land in Missouri. Here's Benjamin Park again, the religious history professor at Sam Houston State University. He declares that this place is going to be Zion or the the center place of, of God's restored kingdom. It did not work out that way. The locals drove Smith out, and he didn't have any better luck in the other places he tried to establish his plat of Zion. Now, Joseph Smith himself kind of moves away from that society because it, it fails quite spectacularly over the next couple of years, both for internal and external reasons. Smith never really found a peaceful spot to land. In 1844, while he was being held in a jail in Illinois, an angry mob stormed the prison and killed him. So it's surprising how even the concept of somebody's idea can arouse so much you know, opposition. David Hall doesn't have to worry about a lynch mob, of course, and he doesn't seem to hold a grudge with the opposition that ran him out of town in Vermont. There's some people that have you know, a firm dream of keeping things exactly like they are, and that is their dream, right? So it's just a conflict of long-term dreams. He says this isn't the death of his New Vista's plan by any stretch. It's just that Vermont won't get to be a part of it. The sad part for me is I don't think they realize the economic disaster and actually the ecological disaster that, that they're on track. The large rural sprawl systems that Vermont is currently promoting are number one not sustainable at all when you actually analyze it, uh, but also not socially uh, and economically viable. You know, to be so spread out and to have the huge high costs of the infrastructure, the only 
very wealthy people will be able to live there. Hello? Hey, Jillian. Hey, Angela. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? We got back in touch with our question asker, Jillian, when news broke that Hall was abandoning his plans. It feels sort of like a little holiday. (laughs) It feels really great. Uh, There's a small part of me, though, that's kind of like, like, I'm the type of person that feels really bad for the losing team at the Super Bowl, and I sort of feel that way a little bit for David Hall, like, just the tiniest little bit, Um, because it seems like he really felt very, uh, very pushed out in an aggressive way. Um, But it's a great, great day for the four communities. It's really, really great news. Jillian said she could see where Hall is coming from when he says Vermont's trajectory isn't sustainable. Well, I definitely, I don't think that's completely wrong. I mean, there's many times when I'm, you know, driving my car, the 15 minutes it takes for me to go fill up on gas or whatever, um, or just to go to the co-op. And I'm like, this is crazy. She says green technologies, like electric cars, are getting us closer to sustainability, but there's still a long way to go. I feel like it's funny because his development plans were really counting on the advancement of a lot of technology. And I, in that same vein, I think the success of rural Vermont is also sort of waiting on similar technologies. But not everyone is as sanguine as Jillian. Well, look, I, th- I always think it's tragic when an opportunity to develop and create jobs and create vitality and prosperity in a community uh, goes away. This is Joan Goldstein. She's Vermont's Commissioner for Economic Development. She also sat on the Royalton Select Board until 2017, when she decided not to run for re-election. She said she had trouble with her community's response to Hall's ideas. It felt at one point that people knew more about what they didn't want to happen rather than what they did want to happen. And it, it really did feel like quite a shame that there's this uh, lack of investment and interest. At the same time, people are upset about declining school populations and consolidation of schools and school closures. Commissioner Goldstein says she understands the critique that 20,000 people is too many for these four small towns. But she thinks Hall's idea deserved a full review under Act 250. They study impacts on transportation, schools, ag land, you know, all, all of it. We have a very robust uh, land use regulation. So I'm not quite sure why that was not going to be good enough to guide this particular project. And she says she's worried about future developers, how they'll feel about bringing their ideas and money to Vermont. You know, what a terrible message to be sending people who want to invest in Vermont. We need growth in Vermont. We need people to come here. And now we have somebody who's got an idea that we don't really like, and so we decide to openly and actively oppose it without really giving it its share of due process. So I thought that was rather prejudicial. Vermont's governor, Phil Scott, had a similar take. The day after Hall announced his plans to sell his land, Scott said this at his weekly press conference. It's interesting. Uh, We want to be so welcoming to everyone uh, in Vermont. I think we have a high degree of tolerance uh, as a state, as as the people we are. Um, And I was was struck by the intolerance of uh, some of the statements about not wanting them to be here. And and I just thought that was unfortunate. 
we need more people in the state. Maybe not as many as uh, Mr. Hall wanted uh, right off the bat, but, but again, uh, my message is we're welcoming. We want people here. I guess I would just caution anybody to get carried away with the idea that this was an effort that was based on intolerance. The last person we're going to hear from is Paul Brune. He's the executive director of the Preservation Trust of Vermont. It had to do with somebody coming into the state without having a discussion with people um, and imposing a development idea or scheme on Vermont before there was an opportunity to have a dialogue. The Preservation Trust and several other groups worked with the Alliance for Vermont Communities to try to stop David Hall. Did you imagine that this story would take this turn? I mean, did you ever think you would be in a position that you are right now? No. (laughs) Um, It was a complete surprise. Sort of like the dog that actually got the car. Um. (laughs) Now, instead of opposing David Hall, at least some of the groups might end up giving him money so they can buy back his land. Paul's got over 1,500 acres to sell for about $7 million. I don't know that there will be the ability for the organizations to jump in and agree to acquire everything for the $7 million. I don't know whether that's going to happen. I think it is probably a little unlikely. When I talked to Paul, he hadn't even had a chance to meet with all the other groups yet. But he said he had had some very cordial conversations with David Hall about a potential sale. You know, he's very interested in seeing as much of the property conserved as possible. There's also been talk of subdividing, to conserve the bulk of the acreage, but keep the homes on the housing market. But Paul Brune says it's still very early days. Oh, we're at the very beginning. This will all take a lot more conversation David Hall also told us that he's interested in conservation, though he added that he's not in a rush and that the market will determine where things go. So until he sells, if he does ultimately sell, Hall will remain a major landowner in these four towns and a landlord and a taxpayer. But he seems to have made up his mind that he will not be a developer. Thanks so much for listening to the show this month. Pete Hirschfeld reported this episode with me. If you have a question about something that's going on in your community, share it with us at bravelittlestate.org. And join us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at BraveStateVT. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio, editing this month by Lynn McRae and Henry Epp. Our theme music is by Ty Gibbons, and we have engineering support from Chris Albertine. Special thanks this month to John Gregg and Rob Wolf at the Valley News, BYU Radio in Provo, Utah, Meg Malone, Steve Sind, and Bob Kinzel. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back next month. And until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, Sometimes, you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.